Yeah, yeah, let's celebrate that. So a lot of those uh, graduating seniors are back in foundations class now. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we probably have graduates here in the room. My goodness, if you're graduating from college, if you're graduating from grad school, if you're graduating from kindergarten, right? High school, of course. Um, or let me ask this, if somebody in your family is marking one of those special occasions this season right now. Do me a favor, would you just stand up real quick so we can see that and acknowledge that and celebrate that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you just saw somebody stand up around you, uh, when the service is done, just go up and honor them. Go up and ask them, hey, who are you standing for? And celebrate that key moment in their life. That's awesome. Here at Venture, we do seek to seek Jesus and to see each other. And this is a great opportunity to do that. So I want to pray for our graduates right now. Would you simply join me in that prayer? God, I thank you for the seasons of our life. My goodness, as we study through Ecclesiastes, there is a season for everything, even under the sun. Uh, A time to be born and a time to die and the celebration moments in the middle. So God, we don't miss this moment. We say thank you. We're grateful. And as we launch graduates off into the future that you're calling them toward, God, I pray that as you walk in front of them, they recognize you leading and they choose to follow. And it's your name in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, we are walking through this chasing series. It's a seven-week-long series. It's just the kind of wisdom that grandma and grandpa would endorse, that they would lean into. Today, uh, the topic that we're looking at, this lines up really well with the season, this graduation season we're living through right now. It's, uh, the, the topic that we're chasing today actually is the topic of achievement. Graduates, Right? It's good to stop and pause and just recognize this past week, uh, Dawn and I celebrated our 27th wedding anniversary. That was on Friday. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's all her. Thank you. Um, Including the shirt that I'm wearing yesterday, I was picking out, this is what my routine on Saturday, I pick out my preaching outfit, and that usually means what's kind of front of the line in the closet, and I saw this shirt, and I thought, yeah, I haven't worn that maybe ever, so I I grabbed that and thought I'd wear it today, and then this morning as I was putting it on, I was realizing this was a present that Dawn gave me. We did a vow renewal ceremony Two years ago, our 25th wedding anniversary was in the middle of the pandemic, uh, May 20th, and uh, our, our kids were all a part of this, a real intimate kind of a vow renewal ceremony, and she bought me this special shirt for that day. I wore it then. I don't think I've really worn it since, but today was the day, and I thought, my goodness, maybe that's some kind of a subliminal thing. It was kind of on my mind. I was thinking about our anniversary and that special occasion, and so I grabbed this shirt, and I'm wearing it. It's good to look back so that we can look forward, right? I was thinking about such things and realizing that, oh my goodness, it's been 27 years since our wedding, which means it's been about 30 years since my high school graduation. You can do the math there, and behind the equal sign, you'll discover that we were babies. Yeah, we were babies when we got married. 30 years since my high school graduation. How many of you remember your high school graduation? Let me see your hands. How many of you remember what the commencement speaker spoke on? Me either. 
I can't even remember who it was that spoke at my high school graduation. There's a, uh, a song that I looked up this past week. It's called Everybody's Free. It's a song by Boz Lorman. I love this. As we think about timeless truth through the lens of achievement, listen to some of the lyrics of this song. It actually was written as a poem in 1997, recorded then as a song for the graduating class of 1999. I think somebody re-recorded it in like 2007. I don't know what version of this song you remember, but it's worth going back and listening to it because there are some great one-liner kind of zingers, timeless wisdom in this song. It starts out like this. Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99, wear sunscreen. And then it goes on to say, if I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proven by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. And then it's just one zinger after another. Like this, enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they've faded. But trust me, in 20 years, you'll look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way that you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You're not as fat as you imagine. And then it's just one line after another. The real troubles in your life are apt to be the things that never crossed your worried mind, the kind that blindsides you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Do one thing every day that scares you, saying, don't be reckless with other people's hearts. Don't put up with people who are reckless with yours. Floss, kind of slips that one in, a little oral care there. Don't waste your time on jealousy. Then he, down here he says, get plenty of calcium. Be kind to your knees. You'll miss them when they're gone. Maybe you'll marry. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll have children. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll divorce at 40. Maybe you'll dance the funky chicken on your 75th wedding anniversary. Do not read beauty magazines. They'll only make you feel ugly. Get to know your parents. You'd never know when they'll be gone for good. Be nice to your siblings. They're your best link to the past and the people most likely to stick with you in the future. One line after another. And he ends it with, but trust me, trust me on the sunscreen. There's just some good timeless wisdom in that song. The text we're going to study today, if you haven't yet, open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes. I'm on page 665 if you're following along in those Bibles that are underneath the seat in front of you. As you turn there, uh, actually we're going to start in chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes. Let me remind you that the reason why we're doing this season is because, or this series is because we're in a season of deplete Replenish. We've talk, been talking about this each week. The last two years have just felt like a depletion. So we want to dive into God's word and replenish just ancient wisdom. Again, the kind of wisdom that grandma and grandpa would approve of. And especially as we think about graduates launching off into the life that God is calling them toward. I want to remind you that the whole book of Ecclesiastes, you can divide it into basically two types of thinking. Those who look above the sun, this is the realm of God, and those whose eyes are stuck looking under the sun, this is mankind. This is limited perspective. Ecclesiastes calls for a heart shift, probably calls for an attitude adjustment. Under the sun thinking versus above the sun thinking. This is achievement through the lens of temporary versus 
eternal. This is looking at achievement through the lens of it's for me versus for God, right? It's looking at achievement through the lens of my satisfaction versus I'm doing this really for his glory. That's above the sun thinking. And so we want to remind one another and call each other to lift our eyes up. Look above the sun where God is calling you to look. A couple of definitions. Each week I remind you of this. As you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, and I hope you are, I hope you're reading through this ancient wisdom. You're going to hear and read over and over again the word meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. The word that we find there is the Hebrew word hevel. In my opinion, you could translate this very well. It would, it would be the, uh, the phrase vain striving. It's like trying to run up a down escalator, the world's longest down escalator. You'll never reach the top. This is vain striving. It's meaningless, but again, this is under the sun thinking. If we don't lift our eyes up above and see the life, the with God life, Right, Because meaningless, under the sun, this is life without God. Okay, page 665, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Here we go. The writer says, And I saw that all toil and all achievement, what you get for your work, all, he says, spring from one person's envy of another. Do you agree with that sentence? Again, if you confine this to under the sun thinking, not life with God, but rather life without God, does all work, all achievement, does it start with envy? We're going to unpack that here in a minute. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. It goes on to say, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. What does that mean? We're going to look at that here in a second. Better one handful with tranquility. Maybe your Bible translation uses the word peace. That's a pretty good translation there. Then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Here's what we want to do today. From the text, uh, we're going to pull two from what we just read, but actually I'm going to share with you three. We're going to bounce all over Ecclesiastes. Three meaningless messages. As we look at uh, achievement and what God is calling us toward, there are three achievement, meaningless messages to be found here, at least in the book of Ecclesiastes. Then we're going to add four achievement problems. Three meaningless messages, four achievement problems, and it's like a magic trick. Those four achievement problems, they become four achievement solutions. That's our outline today. Are you tracking? Here we go. Three meaningless messages from Ecclesiastes. If you're taking notes, write these down. Achievement is meaningless when it, number one, we just read it, when it starts with envy. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This is an Old Testament ancient text, a thousand years before Jesus walked the earth. A thousand years before James, the brother of Jesus, wrote his letter, the book of James. And there's some ancient truth, some ancient wisdom to pull in the New Testament from the book of James. James couples his wisdom with this ancient wisdom from Ecclesiastes in James chapter 4. Remember, we're talking about envy here. What causes fights and quarrels among you? By the way, he's writing this letter to us. This is to the church, the early church. This is to a group of people who are supposed to have their eyes focused above the sun. 
They're supposed to be looking at the things of God, the life with God, not the life below the sun without God. But as we read here, we're, always, we're not always good at that. And James is reminding the early church, and by extension he reminds us today, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. Sometimes literally. Sometimes with your words you kill somebody's spirit. Sometimes even with a glance. We get pretty good at that, don't we? You covet, but you cannot get what you want. Remember envy? You quarrel. You fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Then the text goes on, you adulterous people. Again, this is James speaking to the early church. I I told you we just celebrated an anniversary this past week. That word, as a married guy, makes my blood run cold. When I think about marriages that I've known in the past that have ended or been severely crippled, hurt, had a lot of work to wrestle through on the backside of adultery. My goodness, that makes my blood run cold. You ever think about that in relationship with your God? You have a relationship with your God. Adultery, cheating on him with somebody else. We think about achievement, envy, You adulterous people. He's calling them out. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? When you couple above the sun thinking with below the sun thinking, this is creating a war inside of your soul. Be oh so careful. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Achievement is meaningless when it starts with envy. Grads, on the front end of your life, When you think about what God is calling you to accomplish, oh, be so careful of envy. Number two, achievement is meaningless when it costs you peace. Peace. That word tranquility that we read earlier. Verse 5, remember, it says, Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. What in the world does that mean? This is a posture of complacency. This is a posture of passivity. This is literally choosing nothing. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Remember, if you are a New Testament student, in the New Testament, we just studied this text a few weeks ago before Easter. Pilate literally washed his hands of Jesus. This is choosing to do nothing. This is choosing the path of passivity. What's it mean to fold your hands? Saying, I'm not going to do anything. That's one extreme. The other extreme, if you keep reading verse 6, better one handful with tranquility, that's peace, than two handfuls with work, toil, and just chasing after the wind. I want to apply this in two ways. We're aiming here at inward peace. We're also aiming at external. We're going to call it relational peace. If you were to look over in chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes, we see an example of peace there. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12. It's this little proverb that gets snuck in here. The sleep of a laborer is sweet. Somebody who works hard all day, and after a hard day of work, they come home and take a nap, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. What do they say? Mo' money, mo' problems, right? Be careful. 
graduates. Be careful on the front end of your life of seeking to achieve. If it costs you your peace, it's not worth it. I look around at this generation, Gen Z, that's coming up, and I, I think there are some kids that have their heads screwed on straight in this area. Yeah, I don't want what mom and dad had or grandma and grandpa had. If it means that I have to work, 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 and strife, and if I don't have peace at the end of the day, maybe I'm going to choose that instead of that achievement. Well, good for you. Inward peace. External peace. Relational peace. 2 Timothy chapter 4 in the New Testament, we see Paul addressing this. He's writing this letter to young Timothy, and he's giving some encouragement, a challenge. Be careful of Alexander the metal worker. Maybe your translation has the, uh, the word copper worker in here. He did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. What's the message? The gospel, the good news of Jesus. Have you ever had anything break inside of a relationship because you're moving too hard in a particular direction? Alexander in this story had surrendered his peace. He had surrendered relational tranquility with Paul. And what does the text say? The Lord will repay him. Don't, don't seek achievement at the expense of peace. All right, there's three meaningless messages. Four achievement problems that become four achievement solutions. I want you to turn over to chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes to grab our last problem here. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1, goes like this. A good name is better than fine perfume. And the day of death, we don't preach this very much in the church, do we? Lean into this. Listen to this. There's ancient wisdom here. The day of death better than the day of birth. That's an interesting perspective, isn't it? It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Really? Why? For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Really, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. This is not an invitation to indulge sadness or to indulge depression, but rather it's an invitation to realize, get this, that you have an expiration date. You do. One of my kids has celiac, and uh, she has to be real careful with her gluten intake, so she's kind of doing her own diet thing. She approached me this past week with uh, a package of meat. What's the fancy word we use now? Charcuterie. It's like, like preserved meat. And it had uh, an expiration date on it. It had a sell-by date. And as we were having this conversation, I discovered that in my household, we maybe have a difference of opinion on what those dates mean. I might take a, a fairly uh, liberal approach to that. Well, that's just a suggestion. Some of you, you're looking at me right now, and you're saying, oh, my goodness, you've never had food poisoning, have you? you got to be careful with those dates, buddy. Have you ever taken a swig of milk, and once it's in your mouth, then you look at and realize the expiration date, you're past the date, oh, my goodness, that's why it tastes so funny. You have an expiration date. Achievement is meaningless when, number three, it's ignorant of death. If you don't recognize that you have an expiration date, oh, my goodness, you're going to burn yourself out in this achievement thing. If you're not aware of the expiration date of life, achievement will mean nothing. 
I had a, a friend on staff at another church I served. He was our pastoral care guy. And uh, one time, his name is Doug, he said, he said Stan, uh, don't make me do a wedding. I'll do a funeral anytime, but don't assign the weddings to me. I just don't want to officiate a wedding. And after him saying this several times, I thought he was joking at first. Like, Who doesn't like a wedding? And I kind of, we had this conversation. I sat him down and said, well, you really mean that? Tell me why. And he said, oh, well, at a wedding, people are all like starry-eyed and they don't really know what they're talking about. It's all pie in the sky. I mean, it's 1 Corinthians 13, but they don't really know what that means yet. They haven't really counted the cost yet. It's all skipping and unicorns and rainbows. Give me a funeral, he said, anytime. Because when people show up to a funeral, they know exactly why they're there. And they are feeling some loss. And it's a space for the gospel to impact their heart. And I can give answers to the real problems that they're looking at. I walked away from that. I thought, man, that, that's actually true. There's something about when you show up to a funeral. Now, I love a good wedding. But when you show up to a funeral, you're looking for answers. Timeless wisdom. Timeless answers that God provides. By the way, this doesn't work so much for teens on the front end maybe of your life. Teens are invincible. You graduate from high school, right? You're 10 foot tall and you're bulletproof. Begin, though, with the end in mind. There's a missionary years ago named C.T. Studd. Perhaps you've heard the poem that he wrote in like 1860. The last line of his poem, it goes like this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. You want to win in life, you want to achieve well in life, burn your lamp out for Jesus. Begin with the end in mind. You have an expiration date. We're called to recalibrate our perspective today, right? There's three meaningless messages. We just looked at those. Then four achievement problems that become four achievement solutions. To grab those, let's look over in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and then it's going to bleed into chapter 12. He ends his book with this encouragement, with this challenge. My, the heading in my Bible says, remember your creator while you're young. And then it bridges the gap old age. Let's read it together. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all, but let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. How's that for a cheery Sunday morning message, right? You who are young, be happy while you're still young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Because it goes from there. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. And then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. They're temporary. Just like the song that we looked at on the front end. Wear your sunscreen. They don't last. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come, and they will, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in those days of my youth. When your eyes are looking ahead, 
And there's all kinds of euphemisms, all kinds of metaphors to be found here. We'll unpack them here in a minute. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few. That's an interesting thought. And those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. Interesting. When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond trees blossom and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred, what then? Then people go to their eternal home. They die. If you're confined with under the sun thinking now, there will come a day of death when you're forced to lift your eyes up and see things through an eternal perspective and mourners go about the streets, then, no, start now. Remember him, the creator of your youth. Remember him when you're old. Remember him now, before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring. And the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Remember him then, remember him now. So there's four achievement problems. Each one of these in a word. If you're taking notes, write these words down. The first achievement problem is pace. Pace. Remember that you are under God's timing. This is ancient wisdom from this ancient literature. Remember that you're under God's timing and then, only then, enjoy every part of every day. If you're a parent and I bet you have kids that are dying to play video games, maybe they're consumed by their video games. As a parent, I've kind of come to the point where I kind of hate video games. I feel like there's something in this that's stealing our youth I have one of my favorite authors. He shared a story this past week, and I loved this. He said uh, he had his corporate lawyer draw up a contract with his 12-year-old son who's been begging for an Xbox. He's, he's like an outdoors guy, and he, uh, he said, hey, I'm going to draw up this contract, and you endorse it and write it for me. It's titled Xbox User Agreement. Shall govern the aspiring Xbox operators for the rest of the document. That's you or AXO, aspiring Xbox operator. And it's filled with all of these, like, here's just one paragraph. Uh, this is 3.2.5 on the document. There should be no complaining, squabbling, nagging, crying, fighting, hitting, punching, or wrestling with any siblings or any other youth that's related to the use of the Xbox. Violation of this requirement may result in additional adverse consequences to AXO beyond the inability to use the Xbox. That's just one of the bullet points on here. There's four pages to the document. Check this out. I love the details. And at the end, they sign it. And if at any point you're in violation of this, I'm going to pull that sucker back away from you. You lose the privilege of playing on it. Parents, before we get too giddy with power, remember this. Grads, as you think about your life, as you look toward achievement and the life God has called you toward, remember, you don't set the timetable for your life. God does. God sets the number of days that you have. What does it say in verse 8? However many years. How many years do you have to invest? However many that God decides, right? And then it says, but let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Pace. 
Jesus tells a story where there's a story told about him. This amazing moment, you can read about it in Mark chapter 5 or Luke 8 or in Matthew chapter 9, Jairus' daughter dies. She's dead. Everybody knows she's dead. They call Jesus in, and Jesus looks at her, and it's really confusing language. He looks at her, and he says to everybody who hears, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. What? Jesus controls the pace of our life, however many days we have. But note this. He has the power over life and death. If Jesus says she's just asleep, she wakes up. He raised her back to life. By the way, you have access to that same power, this pace of life. The cross of Christ is power. When you meet one of our pastors under the cross and pray together with them. Cling to the power of the cross. Because the cross of Jesus, underneath the cross, death has lost its power. Death is not something that you have to fear. Rather, maybe look at life kind of like you would a sporting event. I mean, you have four quarters, you have two halves, whatever game you're playing. Your life is like that. At the end of it, there's a buzzer that sounds. Until then, you give 110%, right? You're only on the field for so long, and the coach then says, you're off of the field. In the New Testament, funerals were a celebration. Paul talks about this. He says, I've finished the race that was marked out for me. What do you do at the end of a race when somebody runs a race and they finish the race? You get all mopey at the end, right? No, you cheer. Funerals were the same way. At the end of running a good race for Jesus, the New Testament would cheer. Let's bring that back to achievement, shall we? Back in James chapter 4, it says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go do this or that city, we're going to spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and we'll do this and we'll do that. You live under God's timing. This is so countercultural to the American spirit. But remember that you live under God's timing and then pace, enjoy every part of every day. Three meaningless messages, four achievement problems that become four achievement solutions. Here's the second achievement problem. It's steps. We had pace. We also have steps. Remember to make God's justice, the compass, the directional velocity of your heart. And then, then be happy. Then be joyful in the direction of godly desires. You have to remember the direction that you're going. I was reminded of that this past week. I was thinking about that scene from The Office. Any Office fans out there? Where Dwight and Michael end up listening to the GPS and they find themselves in the middle of a lake because they didn't take the right turn, the right direction. Are you following God? As we think about the steps that he's calling you on. Verse 9. It said this, remember, you who are young, be happy while you're young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. Now, wait a minute, because I saw the new Ford Bronco just yesterday and I really want that. Is this calling me to follow the desires of my heart? We have to be careful with this. There's a passage, if you were to turn over to Jeremiah chapter 17, also Old Testament, it talks about this. The heart is deceitful above all things beyond cure. Who could understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct. The New Testament picks up on this idea, and basically Jesus says, listen, I'm going to exchange your heart. 
a stony heart for a new heart. I want to make you a new creation. And when I do that, only then can you trust your heart. You who are young, be happy while you're young. Let your heart give you joy. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye sees. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. If your heart is pure, if you're following God, his pace, his directional velocity, then and only then can you trust your heart. Let your heart be changed. True north is determined by your, is not determined by your desire. But rather, it's determined by the God who will bring all things into judgment. Remember to make God's justice the compass for your heart. Then, only then, be happy and joyful in the direction of godly desires. Number three. Number three is burden. Right? We have pace. We've got steps. We've got burden. Remember both your limitations and God's ability. And then, only then, live free from anxiety and worry. Verse 10 says, remember, so then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. Choose joy. Remember both your limitations and God's ability. And then live free from anxiety and worry. Number four. Number four is direction. Remember that your spirit will return to God who gave it. Then embrace life with a purpose. Again, begin with the end in mind. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, I love this. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Can we go back and unpack a little bit of the passage we read, the end of chapter 11 in the beginning of chapter 12, it starts with this idea of remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then it goes on to describe what's getting ready to happen. You think you're young now, but remember you're supposed to floss the song. You're supposed to wear your sunscreen because you're not going to be young forever. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them those days of my youth. And then there's all these euphemisms. I wonder if you can guess what some of these mean. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark. What in the world could that mean? You're going to get old and what's going to happen? You're going to lose your eyesight. You're going to need the optometrist a little bit more. And then skip ahead. It says the clouds return after the rain when the keepers of the house tremble. I've had good friends who have been diagnosed before with Parkinson's disease. There's something about senior saints and tremors and trembling. It's a sign of old age, right? And this, the strong men stoop. Have you ever heard the word osteoporosis? I suspect back in the days of Solomon, before uh, the vitamins, the multivitamins that we take today, I bet that was even, even a bigger deal then. How about this one? When the grinders cease, what are they talking about there? Your teeth, Right? This is back before good oral health care. He's talking about tooth loss here, gingivitis, maybe gums receding. And then the windows grow dim. What's this? Again, the eyes are going to fail. Long distance. Maybe you're going to need cheaters to read the stuff up close. And then skip ahead. It says the grinding fades. What's this mean? Well, I don't hear people chewing anymore. This might be uh, hearing loss as well as tooth loss. 
And then when people rise up at the sound of birds, what's this mean? Uh, this is the reason why there's an early bird special at your favorite restaurant, right? Because older people, the older they get, they tend to go to sleep earlier so they can get up earlier when the sound of the bird starts chirping way too early in the morning. Their songs grow faint. This is a reference to hearing loss. People are afraid of heights and dangers in the street. What's this mean? I don't know. There's something about the older we get, the more prone maybe we are to falling victim to um, we're worried about everything. I read an article not long ago that was basically titled, Thank You, Fox News, for Stealing My Parents Away. I don't know which end of the, the spectrum you're on. Maybe it's uh, one end, Fox News, the other end, CNN. But they all market in fear. And they market in, oh, you need to be afraid of this. And you need to worry about this. It's fear-mongering. That's maybe today, 2022, but it's probably the same a thousand years before Jesus as well. This is ancient wisdom because human wisdom or human nature is the same. Almond trees blossom. This is a reference to white hair when you get old. The grasshopper drags itself along and a desire is no longer stirred. This means exactly what you think it means. This was before Pfizer invented Viagra, right? Then people will go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember, before you get old, before your eyes are forced to be lifted beneath the sun to above the sun, we're all eternal beings, remember him. Remember your creator from the days of your youth. I've told you each week I'm going to share with you a Cliff's Notes version of what we're talking about. Here's today's. It's a difficult thing to go through life by only relying on your own abilities. Too often we deceive ourselves into thinking that we can make it on our own. However, the very best thing we can do is to learn to lean on Jesus and allow him to measure out our successes and our accomplishments. When we think about achievement, what were our four achievement problems again? They were four words. It was pace, steps, burden, and direction. So what's the solution? Remember? Three, four, four solutions. They're all anchored in this phrase. Walk with Jesus. It's those same four words. Number one, if you walk with Jesus, he sets your pace. I love this passage in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Through the lens of achievement, doesn't that sound enticing? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then he says this, I love this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Walk with Jesus from all the days of your life, from your youth to when the almond blossoms and white hair and grinders fall out of your face. He sets my pace. Graduates, oh my goodness. We all, I want to be a millionaire. I want to drive a fancy car. Take your dreams. Take your aspirations. Look at the race around you. Look at America right now. The suicide rate is up. Depression is higher than ever. Does that sound like wisdom? Huh. Does Jesus want you to run? Then run. Does he want you to walk? Then walk. Does he want you to sit down? And sit down. He sets the pace. Does he want you to sleep? Perhaps for some of us, the most spiritual thing we could do this afternoon is to take a nap. Number two, Jesus protects my steps. One of my favorite prayers. I love to include this sometimes when I'm praying, just simply the line, Jesus, you lead, I choose to follow. 
Why? I have to remind myself of that. I kind of like to lead. Actually, I kind of get accustomed to it. Most places I go, I'm, I'm, I'm leading something. But if I'm not careful, oh my goodness, in my relationship with Jesus, I can get way too far out in front. By the way, what's the basic definition of a leader? If, as you boil everything down, you boil down leadership styles, leadership strategies, the very basic definition of a leader is if you're a leader, you're going to look behind you and there's somebody that's following you. If you look behind you and nobody's following you, you ain't leading nothing. The flip side of this is true as well. We call each other Christ followers, right? This is one of the ways we describe ourselves in the church. We're following Christ. Well, are you? Are you really? If you look in front of you, oh my goodness, and you don't see Jesus? A Christ follower means that you are behind him if you don't look in front of you and see his broad shoulders leading you along your life's path. Oh my goodness, be careful. You're following something or someone else. Abort the mission, turn around, find your Savior, and follow him. He's there to protect your steps. Number three, he, he lightens your load. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest, right? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Through an achievement lens, stop focusing on your dreams for achievement. It's, it's his yoke. It's his burden. Who are you achieving for? Number four, he charts my direction. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I shared this with you at the beginning of this series. My mom gave this to me for graduation. This was for a belated eighth grade graduation. Mom died. She wrote this in it before she passed away when I was in high school. She said, please set your priorities on life now while you're young. We'd like to influence how you set these priorities, but you alone, you alone can set them. Could I challenge this church? Let's make sure we're beginning with the end in mind. This text from Ecclesiastes, this is a lifelong journey that he's calling us on. Remember the creator all the days of your youth. If you're a graduate and you're looking ahead, oh my goodness, chart your course well now. For when you're going to lose eyesight. For when you're going to be wrestling with Parkinson's disease. When you might be stooped over with osteoporosis. When your teeth start falling out of your face. When you wake up way too early because your body's waking up with the birds. When hearing loss begins to happen and white hair sprouts out. Desire is no longer stirred. When people go to their eternal home. Because they're eternal beings. And whether you like it or not, your eyes will lift up. From below the sun thinking to above the sun thinking you're going to be called to a reckoning because you're an, eternal be you're an eternal being. You need to begin with the end in mind. Three meaningless messages. Four achievement problems. Four achievement solutions. All of them anchored in the truth. Remember him. Let's do that right now.